Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, May 19th, 2023 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, your next mosquito repellent may already be in your shower from The Atlantic and How to Get Rid of Skin Tags from the New York Times, plus Eight Foods to Eat for a Healthier, Happier Brain from BBC Science Focus, and more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Your next mosquito repellent might already be in your shower. A small study has found that certain soaps can make people less attractive to mosquitoes, but it probably won't work for everyone. By Catherine J. Wu, from The Atlantic. For as long as I can remember, I have been that friend, the one who, from May to November, gets invited to every outdoor soiree. It's not because I make the best desserts, even though I do. It's because, with me around, the shoes can come off and the deet can stay sheathed. No one else need fear for their blood when the mosquitoes are all busy biting me. Explanations abound for why people like me just can't stop getting nipped. Blood type, diet, the particular funk of the acids that emanate from our skin. Mosquitoes are nothing if not expert sniffers, evolving over millennia to detect the body's many emissions, including the carbon dioxide we exhale and the heat we radiate. But to focus only on a mosquito's hankering for flesh is to leave a whole chapter of the pest's scent-seeking saga largely overlooked, Clement Vinauger, a chemical ecologist at Virginia Tech, told me. Mosquitoes are omnivores, tuned to sniff out blood and plants. And nowadays, most humans, especially those in the Western world, tend to smell a bit like both thanks to all the floral, citrusy lotions and potions that so many of us slather atop our musky flesh. That medley of scents Vinogar and his colleagues have discovered may be an underappreciated part of what makes people like me smell so darn good to pests. The findings are from a small study with just five volunteers, four brands of soap, and one mosquito species, and still need to be confirmed outside the lab. But they're a reminder that, as good or as bad as some of us might inherently smell to a mosquito, the insects experience us as dietarily diverse smorgasbords, not just as our animal selves. Researchers have also long known that everything we use on our skin will affect mosquitoes' behavior or attraction toward us, says Ali Afifi, a mosquito researcher at Drexel University. That includes extracts from plants, among them chemicals such as citronella and limonene, which have both been found to repel the blood-sucking insects in at least some contexts. Something about encountering floral and faunal cues together seems to bamboozle mosquitoes as if they're seeing an organism that doesn't exist, says Baldwin Torto, a chemical ecologist and mosquito expert at the International Center of Insect Physiology and Ecology. After all, female mosquitoes, the only ones that bite, spend their lives toggling between seeking nectar and hunting for blood, but never both at the same time. That's part of why Vinogar initially figured that soap might deter mosquitoes from flying in for a sip. 
The story ended up being a bit more complicated. The researchers, led by Morgan Vandergeisen and Anias Talon, collected chemicals from their volunteers' arms, one scrubbed with soap, the other left aromatically bare, and offered them to the mosquitoes. One body wash, a coconut and vanilla-scented number made by Native, seemed to make a subset of people less appetizing, probably in part, Vinogar told me, because mosquitoes and other insects are not into coconut, Dooley noted. But two other cleansers made by Dove and Simple Truth bumped up the attractiveness of several of their volunteers, even though all of the soaps in this study contained plenty of limonene. None of the manufacturers of the body washes used in the study responded to a request for comment. No single product was a universal attractant or repellent, which probably says more about us than it does about body wash. A bevy of lifestyle choices and environmental influences can tweak an individual's unique odor profile. Even identical twins, Torto told me, won't smell the same to a mosquito on the prowl. Soaped up or no, some people will remain stubbornly magnetic to mosquitoes. Others will continue to disgust them. This makes it hard to say, hey, this soap will make you really attractive, or that soap will keep mosquitoes completely away from you, says Syed Mahmoud Nikbakht Zadeh, a chemical ecologist and medical entomologist at CSU San Bernardino who was not involved in the study. Plus, soap is hardly the only scented product that people use. Whatever enticing ingredients your body wash might contain, Talon told me, could easily be counteracted by the contents of your lotion or deodorant. The point of the study isn't to demonize or extol any particular products, especially considering how few soaps were tested and how many factors dictate each individual's odor profile. The five volunteers in the study can't possibly capture the entire range of human-soap interactions, though the researchers hope to expand their findings with a lot of follow-up. I wouldn't want the public to be alarmed about what type of soap they're using, Torto told me. But just knowing that personal care products can alter a person's appeal could kickstart more research. Scientists could design better baits to lure skeeters away from us, or develop a new generation of repellents using gentle, plant-based ingredients that are already found in our soaps. DEET is really efficient, but it's a chemical that melts plastic, Vinogar told me. Could we do better? He asked. The researchers behind the study are already trying. After analyzing the specific chemicals in each of the soaps they tested, they blended some of the most alluring and aversive substances into two new concoctions, a flowery, fruity attractant and a nuttier repellent, and offered them to the insects. The repellent was as strong as applying DEET on your skin, Vinogar told me, but it's all coming from those soap chemicals. What's not yet clear, though, is how long those powers of repulsion last. Most people don't manage more than a daily scrub. Meanwhile, the odors coming out of your pores are continuously coming out. So in the long run, those might win out, says Maria Elena de Elbaldia, a neurogeneticist who previously studied mosquito attraction at Rockefeller University. And it's a lot less practical to ask someone to shower every few hours than to simply reapply bug spray.
I'm certainly not ready to blame my mosquito magnetism on my body wash, which, for what it's worth, contains a lot of coconut-based cleanser or anything else in my hygiene repertoire. Part of the problem is undoubtedly just me, the tastiest of human meat sticks. But the next time I shop for anything scented, I'll at least know that whatever wafts out of that product won't just be for me. Some pest somewhere is always catching a stray whiff. Up next, how do I get rid of skin tags? And what are they anyway? By Melinda Wenner Moyer from the New York Times. And this is in question and answer format. Question. As I've gotten older, I've noticed more and more skin tags sprouting in odd places on my body. What are they exactly, and is there anything I can and should do to get rid of them? Answer. They can pop up in unusual places, on your neck, under your arms, maybe even around your groin. And for many people, they can be extremely irritating, especially if they get caught on jewelry or clothing, or if they occasionally bleed. Research suggests that more than half of adults will develop at least one skin tag during their lifetime. The good news, said Dr. Angela Lamb, a dermatologist at Mount Sinai in New York City, is that they are harmless. They're completely benign, she said. They have zero malignant potential, she said. But because skin tags can be associated with other conditions, it's important to understand how to identify them and when to speak with a healthcare provider. What are skin tags, and why do they develop? Skin tags are soft growths that protrude from the surface of your skin. They can vary in appearance, but are usually about the size of a small pebble or a grain of rice, and can be flesh-colored or darker. Because skin tags can sometimes resemble the lesions associated with skin cancers, it's often wise to see a doctor if you're not sure what kind of growth you have. Anything that's concerning you, any new growth that's extending from the skin, it's a good idea just to get it checked out, Dr. Lamb said. As for what causes skin tags, nobody really knows, Dr. Lamb said. They're more likely to pop up as you age and tend to appear on parts of the skin that rub against each other. They are more common in those who are pregnant, so hormones could play a role, Dr. Lamb added. They also tend to be genetic, so if your parents had skin tags, you'll probably have skin tags too, she said. Some research suggests that the presence of skin tags is associated with insulin resistance, a precursor to type 2 diabetes. If you're getting a lot of them, said Dr. Whitney Bowe, a dermatologist based in Westchester County, New York, you might want to bring it to the attention of your doctor, who may recommend blood work. How to get rid of skin tags. Because they don't pose any harm, there's no need to remove skin tags, Dr. Lamb said. However, some people like to remove them because they find them unattractive or annoying. The safest way to remove a skin tag is with the help of a dermatologist, Dr. Bowe said, although she noted that skin tag removal typically is not covered by health insurance. One method involves numbing the surrounding area with a shot of lidocaine, then cutting the tag off with sharp, curved scissors. The wound is then treated with a chemical substance that stops any bleeding and helps to prevent infection. 
Another common in-office removal approach is electrodesiccation, Dr. Bose said, which involves numbing the area with lidocaine and then using a special instrument to direct an electrical current to the skin tag, killing the tissue, she said. In a third approach, known as cryotherapy, a physician dips a tweezer-like instrument into liquid nitrogen and pinches the base of the skin tag, which essentially destroys it and causes it to fall off within a few days, Dr. Bo said. The freezing itself doesn't hurt, she said, but you might experience some pain as the tissue thaws afterward. After a skin tag is removed by a doctor, it's best to cover the wound with a thin layer of an ointment such as petroleum jelly and a Band-Aid. The skin will usually heal within a week, Dr. Lamb said. There are a handful of popular home remedies for removing skin tags, but dermatologists don't recommend them. One involves cutting off a skin tag's blood supply by tying a piece of string or dental floss around the base, causing it to die and fall off. The problem with doing that is that there's a high risk of infection, Dr. Bo said, because germs often infiltrate the wound after the skin tag falls off. Another popular yet ill-advised home approach involves dabbing an acid, such as apple cider vinegar or salicylic acid, on a skin tag. You're literally burning the skin tag off the skin, Dr. Bo explained. But you also tend to burn the surrounding skin, she said, causing damage that can lead to a darkening of the skin, which can persist for months. Dr. Lamb added that people can also experience strong reactions to the acid, including allergic reactions, which could cause scarring or an infection. Although many people prefer to have their skin tags removed, managing them can sometimes feel like a game of whack-a-mole, Dr. Bo said. If you're prone to skin tags, she said, they will probably grow back or you'll get new ones. Up next, eight foods you should eat for a healthier, happier brain, according to science, by Kimberly Wilson from BBC Science Focus. The food you eat can play a key part in your mental health and well-being. Mental health problems are on the rise, yet there is growing evidence that the food we eat may be a vital ingredient to help us feel better. Is it now a case that not only you are what you eat, but you also think how you eat? Number one, fermented foods. Unpasteurized sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, blue cheese, live yogurt, miso, tempeh, fermented pickles, and kombucha all help to boost the diversity of beneficial microbes in our gut. While we still have a lot to learn about the effect of the gut microbiome on the brain and mental health, animal studies indicate that the bugs in our guts can influence everything from anxiety to the structure of our brains, and a diverse gut microbiome is supportive of overall health. Number two, tea, coffee, and dark chocolate. These are rich in polyphenols, which can enhance the elasticity of blood vessels, allowing blood to flow more freely. In the gut, polyphenols are converted into phenolic acids, which have a protective effect on brain cells. Tea has been shown to reduce anxiety and improve memory and attention. Caffeine boosts the levels of an enzyme in the brain that has been shown to protect against dementia. And there is evidence that dark chocolate can increase blood flow to the brain and improve working memory and visual function. Number three, leafy greens. Chard, kale, 
Cabbage, spinach, watercress, and rocket are abundant in various nutrients like beta-carotene, folate, vitamin K, and magnesium, which are involved in the function of the brain and nervous system. Consequently, eating lots of leafy green vegetables is linked to slower brain aging, better memory, and reduced dementia risk. Number four, raw, unsalted nuts. Nuts like almonds, Brazil nuts, hazelnuts, pistachios, and walnuts are valuable sources of polyphenols. When these are digested by our gut microbes, they produce phenolic acids that protect the brain by reducing inflammation and oxidation. They also help to improve how brain cells communicate and promote formation of new brain cells. Nuts are a good source of vitamin E, which has been consistently linked with better memory function in old age. Number five, berries. Berries increase the production of a compound that supports the survival of brain cells with beneficial cognitive outcomes such as improved attention and short-term memory. Number six, beans and whole grains. These foods are rich in fiber. When microbes in the gut break down fiber, one of the byproducts is a group of compounds called short-chain fatty acids, or SCFAs. SCFAs keep the gut barrier healthy and protect the brain from inflammation and oxidative stress. According to the most recent National Diet and Nutrition Survey, only 9% of UK adults aged 19 to 64 consume enough fiber. Number 7. Seafood and Seaweed These provide a range of nutrients that are beneficial for supporting the brain's antioxidant capacity. Seaweed and seafood also contain iodine, which is critical for brain development of the baby during pregnancy. Number eight, oily fish. Fish like salmon, mackerel, anchovies, trout, herring, and sardines are full of omega-3. Omega-3 fats are irreplaceable when it comes to healthy brain structure and function. Evidence suggests they may be beneficial for those with mild cognitive impairment and depression. We must obtain omega-3 fats through the diet, which can be achieved by eating one or two portions of oily fish per week or taking a DHA EPA supplement. Up next, how to beat bloating. Some simple changes can help address this common belly complaint from Consumer Reports on Health. When it comes to digestive problems, constipation and reflux get all the attention. Gas and bloating tend to be regulated to the just-live-with-it category. In fact, a recent survey of almost 89,000 people by the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles found that one in seven had experienced bloating in the previous week, but most hadn't sought care for it but there's plenty that can be done to remedy bloating. Causes of bloating. Aging can affect the function of the gastrointestinal or GI tract and in some cases reduce GI motility, says Roberto Vincenanza, MD, an associate professor at the USC Leonard Davis School of Gerontology in Los Angeles. When food moves more slowly through your system, there's more time for certain compounds to ferment, and that can lead to gas and bloating. Bloating can also be associated with health conditions such as diabetes, diverticulosis, or even colon cancer, and drugs such as antibiotics, opioids, and antacids. 
but usually dietary issues are the cause. Certain carbohydrates, such as lactose and fiber, can be difficult to digest or they ferment as they go through the GI tract, says Amir Sumek, MD, a gastroenterologist who's an assistant professor of clinical medicine at the Weill Cornell Medical College in New York. They're poorly absorbed and pull water into the intestines, and that can create bloating, distension, and gas, Sumek says. Let the air out. If your symptoms come on suddenly or they're disrupting your life, check with your doctor. For less severe cases, try these dietary strategies. Slow your pace. Many patients get bloated purely from the volume of food they eat, Sumek says. I recommend having smaller portions and chewing until it's the consistency of mashed potatoes, he says. Chewing helps crush the air out of food, he says, reducing the amount of air you're swallowing. If you have trouble chewing, see your dentist. Keep track. Log what and when you eat and when symptoms hit so you can see how your diet may be a factor. For example, some people are sensitive to lactose in dairy or fructose in fruit, honey, and some processed foods. Lactose and fructose intolerance seem to get more prevalent with age, Sumac says. This may be because we're making less of certain enzymes, so it's harder to digest them. Be fiber-wise. Fiber is a boon for overall health and bowel regularity, but it's one of the carbs that ferments in your gut. Increasing fiber gradually and spreading it out over the course of the day can help. Cut back on FODMAPs. Foods such as apples, asparagus, dairy, garlic, onions, and legumes contain large amounts of hard-to-digest fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, and monosaccharides, and polyols. Eliminating all high FODMAP foods isn't a solution, though, because they're typically healthy foods, Vincent Anza says. He suggests trying to pinpoint specific items that cause the problem and removing them to see if symptoms improve. Try a probiotic. Gut bacteria appear to change with age, and that may affect your symptoms. Probiotics help restore the good bacteria that naturally populate the GI tract. Probiotics are a good thing, especially when you take them after you've been on antibiotics or after certain intestinal infections, Vincenanza says. They can help rebalance gut bacteria. Ask your doctor if a probiotic is warranted and if they recommend a particular kind. People with certain health conditions, such as autoimmune issues, might not be able to take one. The Walking Cure Exercise can help with bloating because it improves gut motility, helping move stool through your system. Movement can also positively alter the makeup of your gut bacteria, according to a 2022 review in the journal Nutrients. Aim for at least 30 minutes of physical activity, walking, biking, circuit training, most days of the week. Up next... Greece is on a mission to improve wheelchair accessibility on more than 200 beaches. From Nice News, Greece is known for its sandy beaches, clear blue waters, and gorgeous islands, from the honeymoon destination of Santorini to the lush oasis of Corfu. Now, more people will be able to experience the country's coastline with less friction, thanks to a project making hundreds of beaches more wheelchair accessible. 
The focal point of the accessibility project is the Greek-designed sea track system, which is essentially a movable track to the sea. Free and remote operated, the solar-powered conveyance track comes equipped with a water-safe chair that glides over the sand and into the sea with the touch of a button. It also features a handrail at the end to give users the option of swimming, knowing they'll have support getting back into the chair. According to the Greek Reporter, 147 beaches in Greece have already been updated to be more accessible, and there are plans to improve the inclusivity on a total of 287 beaches. In addition to the ramps, the country is also working to install accessible changing rooms, bathrooms, and parking spots, along with more inclusive lounge areas and refreshment bars. Said the Ministry of Tourism, people with disabilities and people with limited mobility are given the opportunity to participate in beach activities with family and friends, enhancing the quality of life for everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program. Please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.